this week's Walking Dead finale recap from season three is sponsored by our friends over at True Car. And they've got some useful tips for you that you might not be aware of, like how a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean the interior of your car. You could also remove excess weight from your car to improve its gas mileage. And you can also place your keychain remote underneath your chin to increase its range. No, it's not blood magic. People say it works, but here's another tip that you might not know about. True Car can also help you get a used car as well. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying a new car with the certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars. You'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, you can see what other people paid. So you'll know if you're getting a good deal before you buy. So you're more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with a True Car certified dealer. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Winter was here, but we are just getting started on our Game of Thrones rewatch of the season three finale of Game of Thrones. And now here are the two guys who never sheep shift anybody. I'm Rob Sisternino. Here's Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? Oh, my God. Sheep shifting. <laughs> Classic Westeros prank that I had completely forgotten about. I guess, spoiler alert, there isn't a lot of sheep shifting coming up down the pike for those of you who have not seen future episodes down of Game pike? of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, down in the Iron Islands, there is no sheep shifting to be had. Yeah. Uh, fish, fish shifting, perhaps. Yeah, holy, holy shift. What a season of Game of Thrones. Yeah, season three in the books. Josh, that was something that uh, Ramses uh, could have done to Theon. Uh, sheep shifted <laughs> him. Yeah, he, I mean, he probably did. And that just like got cut for time on. Uh, on yeah. Uh, yeah, like many things. Indeed. It's nice that we can say uh, that is Ramsey Snow is the guy who is torturing Theon Greyjoy. I think that that is very clearly uh, uh, identified in this episode, but it had been a big mystery all season long. And I guess I'm very close to the material, so it's hard for me to know. But. I don't know, like, is it, was it ever really, like, as confusing uh, for the viewer as it was for Theon? Like, that felt like, I don't know, that always felt like it added up to me. Yeah, I don't know if we'd have to hear from people who are in listening, going through this uh, in the real time, if anybody uh, for with us. And uh, I was like, oh, OK, that was uh, Bruce Bolton's kid. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. I like dragged on and on and on. It's like, yes, yes we know. OK, we get it. We, we get got it. But it. I, <laughs> I can't tell if that's because we knew or, if you know, that's the show. But either way, that's Ramsey Snow. He's Roose Bolton's bastard son. And man, what a bastard. What a bastard guy. he is. OK, Obviously. so uh, a lot of different stuff to get through. This will be the final episode in which we are going to separate into spoilers and non spoilers, because then. Yeah. Once upon a time, uh, we did actually podcast in the real time, starting in season four of all of this. And so we can uh, provide links, I guess, if we want to, to the original season four podcast. Yeah, I think that that's that's fair. I think that we can we can round up the links to the seasons four, five, six and uh, seven podcasts where we were watching those in real time. So no need for a spoiler free or a spoiler filled section. It was all spoiler free. Uh, but now 
now we're just gonna we're gonna kill the spoiler free section here on winter was here starting next week with the season four premiere one more casualty of the red wedding add it to the pile Mm -hmm. okay so a lot of stuff to get through as we wrap up season three and then we could even do our lvp and most valuable player here for season three as we go along talk about misa (laughs) you know the misa misa lady i think i killed her Mm -hmm. uh yeah no this was uh i thought this was a you know the season finale of Game of Thrones, we've talked about this before. They tend to be like cooldown periods. You know, we're kind of like washing off after some very intense penultimate episode. And I think it's the same deal here. But I really liked this one. I thought that there was a lot going on. Um, the Arya storyline in particular, I thought was was really excellently done. And just the, you know, we're all nursing the Red Wedding hangover in this episode. I think the show does a really good job of kind of weighing the current state of Westeros in light of such a seismic event. Okay, so let's talk through everything going on. And we start off still with uh, reeling from the uh, Red Wedding. It wasn't a dream. We see Roose Bolton overlooking a whole slaughter of the Stark forces as the Hound and Arya try to make their way out. Yeah, and they see something that is highly upsetting. Uh, this is a, this is something that was like written as like a throwaway line in the book, if I'm remembering right, that there were like rumors about what happened at the Red Wedding. And one of the grisliest rumors was that Rob Stark's uh, decapitated body was then merged with the severed head of Grey Wind, the dire wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like such a gnarly image to consider. And of course, the very first thing you see in the the episode following the red wedding is that image brought to life i remember watching that for the first time and like the feeling that i felt was not dissimilar to just the look of defeat on on Arya stark's face it is a it's a really crushing moment if it's any consolation would it have been more humiliating to have rob stark's head on the dire wolf's body I feel like, I mean, both of them sound terrible. It's just, I'm having a hard time visualizing that, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> I think it'd just be very, uh, I don't know. It just does not feel like the sizes would match up. <laughs> well, they're resourceful. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Again, another thing that was probably just edited for time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we see Arya. She had, you know, she takes it pretty well. I mean, it's a very disturbing thing to see, but she does not like a uh, scream. She sort of like uh, bottles up all of that anger. She will take it out later on on a couple of Frey soldiers who are talking about that very incident. Yeah, I think that's the thing. You know, she seems like she takes it well in the sense that she she holds it together in the moment. She's not crying or anything, but then she does proceed to murder a human being uh, as the first man she has ever killed. She tells the hound mm-hmm. uh, and it is it's, that's a great scene. Uh, that's that's a, a really, really good scene with Arya where she and the hound are riding along and they overhear these Frey soldiers talking about uh, how they severed the dire wolf head and strung it up to Rob's body and it was all very difficult to do and Arya overhears it and then does this act basically where she's like oh I'm just a starving girl who's very cold and hungry and I've got money I'll pay for oh I dropped the coin I'm so sorry ah stab 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 mm-hmm. uh, she just she just stabs this guy to death and the hound uh, is not even like disturbed by Arya as a killer so much as he feels greatly inconvenienced by by the whole ordeal that he then has to step in and just like brute force kill four people yeah and i like when the hound says to aria 
why don't you tell me next time before you do that? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Just give me a heads up, please. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's like, sorry. Heads up too soon. Too soon. Yeah. Too soon. Uh, we get a lot of reaction across Westeros to the news that uh, Rob Stark, the uh, king in the north, he has fallen. He is no longer a piece on the board. And uh, we you know, have a nice moment with Tyrion and Sansa. You know, we saw them at the wedding together and it looked like a bit of a mismatch but they're sort of getting along well talking about uh you know Tyrion what he's going to do to people that laugh at him and how he's going to uh, get revenge on some of his enemies against yeah the pervert Desmond Craycall mm-hmm. uh with a name like that he must be a pervert yeah Desmond Craycall does he sound like a pervert to you Desmond Craycall does indeed sound like a pervert to me. <laughs> Sorry to any Desmond Craycalls who are listening. It's it's nothing. I like the name Desmond, obviously, quite a bit, brother. Uh, but Desmond Craycall as a combination seems like some sort of like I don't know, definitely a Slytherin, uh, and probably uh, you know, almost definitively on the side of the Anaconda snakes. I would say. Yeah. So we see that Tyrion gets called to a small council meeting, and we've had some good moments at these small council meetings that Tyrion gets invited to with Tywin and Joffrey is buzzing of did you hear did you hear the news did you read it yeah yeah <laughs> did you see this really... tweet that came in yeah exactly like this is this is great because we've already you know it's been established that Joffrey doesn't really go to the small council meetings anymore so if he's here something big must have happened but you know Tyrion is is pretty calm he's pretty measured throughout and uh, his first reaction to seeing Joffrey who is just like buzzing like a kid who got into like all of like the sugar while his parents were away uh, Tyrion has the great line of like did you kill a few puppies today like what's what's going on here uh, Joffrey is excited obviously because of uh what has happened with the red wedding though the note could have been a little more explicit from walder frey about what had happened yeah it was a coded note uh Tyrion gets an explanation and we hear that rob stark is dead uh joffrey wants a note sent back to walder frey to get rob stark's head delivered to him uh, i don't know if you can get that on postmates and so yeah he's trying to caviar rob stark's head i don't know there's the delivery fee probably steep and he says i want to serve it to sansa at my wedding and everyone's like whoa, yeah. whoa. <laughs> and, uh, no yeah. uh, even cersei is like uh, it's a figure of speech uh, let's he's, not get uh, and he's like no i literally want to serve that. yeah i literally i literally am planning on serving rob stark's head as uh, as an too appetizer at my for offering too much excitement. yeah yeah and uh, yeah, Tyrion threatens him again and they're going back and forth and Tyrion says hey look uh you know kings are dropping like flies right now i wouldn't be, be so uh quick to uh get in my face yeah yeah you know just relax buddy uh and joffrey's really having a he's having a conniption here and even tywin is stepping in and being like joffrey relax dude like you're you're you know anyone who says i am the king over and over again is no true king uh and joffrey like throws some shade at tywin about how hey my dad is the guy who won the rebellion against the targaryens where were you you were hiding in casterly rock and tywin is not having it he's very calm he's very measured as well he says the king is tired tired same to his chambers uh and joffrey is insistent i am not tired tired i do not need a nap 
Yes, and you it's do. It's like, man, yeah, you definitely do. A and B, like naps are great. <laughs> yeah. And who are you to turn down Essence of Nightshade? It's got to be pretty boring in Westeros. Ty, Go take a nap. Tywin is so great with Tyrion after the fact because uh, Tywin is like very smug through the whole scene and Tyrion is saying to him like, you just sent the most powerful man in Westeros to bed without his supper. He's like, do you really think he's the most powerful man in Westeros? Come on. Come on. He's like, come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Yeah. With his little bee crown. Yeah. Yeah. Tyrion says, look, I know Walder Frey didn't do this on his own. He's like, of course he didn't. I, t- I told him I gave him certain assurances. That's fine. Yeah, I, st- I straight up did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, you know, they, they get into a little bit of a back and forth about the uh, the business ethics involved in the Red Wedding. Uh, why is it more noble to kill 10,000 men in battle than a dozen at dinner? Um, and my, my dad who was watching, you know, who is a Game of Thrones fan. He couldn't tell you who anybody is. Uh, he loves Tywin Lannister. And I remember him telling me that. I was like, why? Why do you love Tywin Lannister? He's like, I thought that he had a good justification for the Red Wedding. It's like, Dad, you're actually a monster. Uh, this <laughs> yeah. is... This is what does it, too. <laughs> like, wow. You were like a 2,000 <laughs> Stark men also that uh, <laughs> died at the Red Wedding. <laughs> you are you are a scary man, and I'm very upset with that answer. <laughs> uh, just airing that dirty laundry yeah. publicly on this podcast. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, makes every Wiggler family gathering also a, a little obvious. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I will not. Yeah. No. I was going to say something and I won't say. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And th- there's an interesting conversation, though, about how uh, Tyrion is like, you think this is going to make this easy, my life easier to try to get Sansa pregnant? And Tywin says, look, you'll you'll do what you have to do. It's like, oh, it's easy for you to say, oh, it's always for the family. When's the last time that you had to do something that you didn't want to do? And he said, the day that you were born, which yeah. because you were a Lannister, I raised you, which I kind of felt yeah. like that, you know, you could sort of spin like, oh, I guess my dad did do something for me. Yeah, and that's the same conversation I had with my dad. I was like, you know, when have you ever done something you didn't want to do for the family? He's like, when I raised you, mm-hmm. you're a wiggler. You're a wombat. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but he said he says to, he says to Tyrion, I wanted to walk you into the ocean and let the waves swallow you up. It's like, geez, and man. I didn't do that. I wanted to and I didn't. So, yeah. So I'm a really good guy. Give me some credit. Yeah, definitely a character who you can empathize with easily. Yikes. Anyway, uh, so it was, it, it's a, it's definitely, it's a, it's a, it's an intense scene where, uh, you know, we've certainly through, through three seasons of Game of Thrones, I think like the, the morality chart has been, you're, you're really, it's designed for you to be on Team Stark versus Team Lannister. The Starks have just been severely, you know, ruined, if not like outright destroyed. Um, and we are left with the Lannisters and like these are the people who are in charge and like their number one enemy on the board has just been wiped out and this is the guy who is the patriarch of that family uh, and he is telling the only Lannister that like we kind of unequivocally like as a, as a human being as like a decent human being that he wanted to drown him as a baby mm-hmm. it's dark very dark Let's stay in King's Landing. We see uh, Sansa. Obviously, somebody has broken the news. So we don't know exactly how Sansa found out, but uh, she is uh, very upset, rightfully so, about hearing about what happened at the Red Wedding. 
Yeah. I mean, like we, we don't see it. I don't think that we ever really needed to, to see it. I think, you know, we've seen Sansa weather terrible news so often at this point that they can really just yada yada past it uh-huh. and just sh- show us like a red faced Sansa and you know everything at that point. And even for her at that point, she's probably just like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know, <laughs> this mm. is my life now. Everyone that I love and everything that I think is uh, going to be good and happy. All of that gets destroyed all the time. Yeah. We see Shay with Varys later on in King's Landing, and Shay is looking at the ships as she uh, likes to do, uh, is not uh, ship shifting anything. Right, uh, no. <laughs> she likes to look at the harbor, and then Varys comes with a big bag of diamonds with a offer that he's thinking she can't refuse, but she does, and he wants her to leave. Like, leave Tyrion alone. He's got a lot of important stuff to do. You're a distraction. He loves you, but come on. You had a good run. Get the hell out of here. And she says, basically, if he wants to tell me to leave, he can do it himself. Yeah, no deal. She shuts the briefcase. She's not going to do it. And even Varys kind of looking a little Howie Mandel-esque in this this scene. Uh, But yeah, you know, take the deal. It's a bunch of diamonds. It's a lot of diamonds. According to Varys, it's enough diamonds for you to buy a house. Mm -hmm. You can have like, you know, like a a great staff that works for you. You'll be happy forever. Uh, Why why say no to that? That seems like that seems like the right move. King's Landing's overrated. Yeah, good deal. So we see Tyrion with pod they are getting very drunk cersei comes in and cersei i think has done a better job of controlling her drinking here in season three uh whereas in the, towards the end of season two she was the one that was probably more fall down drunk more often than Tyrion. yeah more like blackout water yeah and so she's talking to him about married life how are you enjoying it so far and uh basically she says look do Sansa a favor, give her a baby so she can have something. She can have some happiness. And Tyrion retorts, well, how happy are you? She's like, look, I'd be less happy if I didn't have kids. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, give her give her something to look forward to. And she like talks about uh, Joffrey before he was like this terrible menace uh, and how she clings on to those memories. Uh, so she loves her kids. Say what you will about Cersei Lannister. It's one of her few redeeming qualities. Yeah. If it wasn't for her kids, she would throw herself out of the highest window in the Red Keep. That feels extreme. Yeah. Feels like an extreme thing to to suggest. Yeah. And she says that people that tell you that bad kids or bad people were bad from the start are dead wrong because Joffrey was a good baby. He was a happy What kid. happened? What happened? I don't know. What did you do <laughs> to him? Broke. Something broke. Yeah. Oh, my God. What did you do? Mom of the year. Mm-hmm. And Cersei also is going to have a reunion, but we don't really get to see a reaction from her where finally after over two seasons of being separated, Jamie has come back to King's Landing and back to Cersei and he's looking pretty haggard, looking pretty homeless, not good. Armin's sling, but he gets back to his one true love, Cersei. Yeah, he's got to be in desperate need of a shower, that guy. Yeah. She probably turns around and looks at him and goes, oh, you reek. <gasps> reek! <laughs> That's what I'll call you now. You reek. Yeah. Should he have cleaned up? Yeah, I think, you know, like, I understand he's he excited. Loves her too much. But you want to put your best foot forward, uh, you know, in the reunion, especially when you have two feet, you know, 
as opposed to you know, it's already gonna be a shock you're sh- you shaggy haired the big beard uh let alone the fact that you are you've been behanded i think you know take a shower mm-hmm. so we see brand stark on the move and they end up getting to what what is this place that they have arrived at josh I believe they're at the Night Fort, which Night is Fort. Uh, which is one of the abandoned castles along the wall uh, that the that the Night's Watch have been watching, but they are um, understaffed, so the the Night Fort has since been abandoned. And we get to hear this story about like a rat cook, the rat who, cook, yeah, who who cooked some some people and turned into a rat or something like that i don't know i wasn't fully following it to be completely honest (laughs) i think that the story of the rat cook was that he offered hospitality to somebody but then uh killed then killed uh the person there and then fed them his family but then they then he got turned into a rat because he broke the rule of hospitality Something like that. I think that that is that is along the lines because it's it's clearly it's a red wedding analog, right? Like it is, you know, the the stuff that Bran is describing uh, is it's it's similar to what happened with the red wedding of you know Rob and Catelyn. They were all invited, uh, and they you know they had like the bread and salt, which as we discussed, it looked pretty good, uh, and that was supposed to be like that ceremony is supposed to guard you. You're safe from harm, and for them to have been butchered so horribly is like a true violation. Um, and so what Bran is talking about here, unknowingly, of course, unless like he subliminally like knows what, what has happened because he's got all of these powers. Uh, he's talking about something that's very similar in this story of the rat cook who uh, killed guests. Uh, and that is something that the gods cannot forget rob yes and we cut right to walder frey very on the nose and uh so much so on the nose that we go right from that story about the uh, rat cook that i watched these episodes with the captions on and that in the closed captioning our uh rat squeaking is the stage direction as they cut from the rat cook to walder frey Wow, the rat uh, symbolism hasn't been this on the nose since The Departed. It's just like, it's really, really out it's there. Right like, there. you ex- you expect to see, like, a, a rat run o- across the, the crossing at the, at the Twins over the bridge, and that's, like, the final shot of the thing. Yeah, okay, so we see Walter Frey and Roose Bolton, and they are the two big winners out of the Red Wedding, and Walter Frey is uh, thinking about all the people that him they're all dead and now he is the lord of river run and uh, roose bolton is warden of the north look at them now if all their enemies could see them yeah and like if you were holding out any hope that like roose bolton made this move because like he didn't feel like he had a better option he felt bad about it he didn't want to betray you know the starks he's a northerner all of that no he seems really really good with this He's like, yeah, Rob was kind of arrogant. He ignored my advice at every turn. Maybe if he hadn't done that, I wouldn't have had to do what I did. Yes. Uh, they really rubbed the bread and salt into the wound, too, uh, when Walder Frey toasts to the young wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Roose Bolton says, forever young. <laughs> yeah. Also, an underreported story. Uh, they do not discuss their uh, f- family relationship that that is Roose <laughs> Bolton's father-in-law. Yeah, that's a good point. You that's true. To Walder Frey, I how how much do you want to bet that Walder Frey does not, does even, not even remember? <laughs> yeah, 
Like he completely forgot that continuity detail as well. Yeah. And we also get the explanation if we did not have it yet about, hey, what happened with the Greyjoys? And Roose Bolton explains that, oh, my bastard, he went and they killed the 20 Greyjoy men that were holding Winterfell because Walderfer says, uh, here, Winterfell's pretty run down. He said, yeah, we had to uh, take care of a situation there, got rid of those 20 guys, and now he is holding. Theon Greyjoy, my bastard Ramsay's. Yeah, so Ramsay has Theon hostage. He's eating uh he's eating sausage Pork in sausage. front of yes. Theon, just in case you were worried it was something else. Mm-hmm. Uh they start talking about uh Phantom something or others. Phantom limbs. Uh, yeah. Phantom limbs, yeah, not the phantom thread. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, the thread of, so to speak, I don't even want to go there. Uh, and he's just being terrible to Theon, who, uh, you know, he's, he's, Ramsey should know better, right? Like, he's been taught not to throw stones at cripples, is what his mother had taught him. But his father taught him to aim for their heads. Mm-hmm. So I guess he's, uh, he's a, he's a bastard after his, after his daddy's making. Yes, and he's going to get a new name because Ramsey is going to come over there and says, uh, you know, you're not the Ungrey Joy. You're not a lord. You're just meat, stinking meat. You reek. Reek is your new name. What's your name? Theon Greyjoy. No, smack in the face. What's your name? Theon Greyjoy, punch in the face. What's your name? Reek. After everything uh, that has happened to Theon, that it takes him like only two punches here like to to give in first of all i think he should have just like signed on for reek immediately okay fine my name is reek now okay like instantly like oh yeah you know that's a great name can you untie me yeah i'm just like my arms Mm -hmm. they hurt they hurt i've been trapped here for a season yeah (laughs) an entire season i've been tied to this thing i would be a very patronizing prisoner i think that my torturer would be like, okay, what's your name? Okay, Reek. And then they would be like, no, I feel like you don't believe it. Like, well, I said it. I said it. Like, yeah, but how do I believe you? Like, well, well, that's my name now. And yeah, yeah, I would get... I don't think it hurts that, like, you wouldn't lose much in terms of branding if you had to change your name to Reek. It's still R-H-A-P. Still, you know, Reek has a podcast. Even post-show Reek apps, you know, like... (laughs) That'd be even better. It works. Yeah. Um... Let's uh, go to the Iron Islands because uh, Balon Greyjoy and Yara have received a package. We haven't seen them in a while. Ah, I've received a package. I see what you've done. Yes. Uh, they have a package from. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's what you think it is. It's, (laughs) yeah. And so they say, or the letter says, uh, like, hey, Greyjoys, uh, just so you know, uh, that we are going to go ahead and keep sending you, uh, parts of Theon until you leave leave the north and basically go back home get out of here and so uh balon greyjoy says ah what's the (laughs) use yeah at this point uh you know you the viewer are now being reminded oh yeah i forgot that like the greyjoys are are trying to fight and stuff too Mm -hmm. you know we haven't seen them all season long so we really don't have much of a memory of what these guys have been all up to uh but yeah the greyjoys are still in the mix and balon greyjoy he's not ready to stop he does he never really cared for theon to begin with he thinks that theon is in this situation because theon went rogue and yara 
of all people who has not been especially fond of Theon in the past is the one who's like, yeah, but that's my brother. And what seems to be happening to him is pretty messed up. And I really don't feel good about abiding that. So I'm going to take the fastest ship in the fleet and I'm going to go pay Ramsey Bolton a visit. Right. Were they oh for season three? Had we not even seen them uh, the entire season? The last we saw them was in season two. That's my recollection yeah. of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it had been yeah. a minute. And she's like, Dad, we have to go. It's like, he's not even a man anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's like, wow, you are a jerk, Balon Greyjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are, you are just like the rest of season two. You are bad news. You are mm-hmm. just a bad dude. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's up. And Yara says, I'm going to take 50 of the toughest Greyjoy men, and we are going to bring Theon home. So help is on the way. Sit tight, Reek. Yeah, so TBD on how all that's going to turn out. <laughs> okay, let's go back to Bran at the uh, Night Fort. And so that they are trying to get to the other side of the wall and we hear something, something uh, stirring and oh, wow, it's Sam and Gilly. Right. And it's funny the way that this is presented because they had just finished telling the story of the rat cook uh, and like it's a ghost story. And when Bran and Jojen and Mira and Hodor are sleeping that night, it sounds like they hear a ghost and it just turns out to be Sam and Gilly who just have like, I don't know, like ghostish breathing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like they just have like a ghostish aura about them. Yeah. Sam seemed a lot less brave here than he did when he was uh, with the White Walker. Well, in oh, his defense. Don't kill us. Yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think he just doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't handle adversity especially well to begin with. But once he figures out that it's Bran, and again, I think this is a testament to Sam's smarts uh, that he can identify him by the direwolves and he even knows Hodor. Cripple. Uh, you know, to which Hodor, you know, responds and confirms that he is indeed Hodor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Sam's like, all right, sweet. It's great to see you. If you're Jon Snow's brother, you're my brother, too. Let's go back you're to Castle John's Black. Brother. Yeah. I'll, anything, anything I can do to help you, I will. And Bran immediately is like, sweet, take us north of the wall. And Sam oh. is immediately like, no, anything no, that. <laughs> no deal. How about something else? Uh, you know, slams the briefcase shut. Is there something uh, else you'd really like to go? <laughs> anywhere literally anywhere but there <laughs> uh but he shows him the way sam decides he's gonna he's gonna show bran how to get out of here he is going to arm these people up with dragon glass so lo and behold there was extra dragon glass good to know uh and uh he says i got lucky uh but you know there are a lot of white walkers out there and for every one of them there are more dead men than you can count mm-hmm. um so sam and bran have have met and parted ways just as quickly as Bran and his crew continue their pursuit of the three-eyed raven north of the wall. No way that storyline could be anything but super exciting next season. <laughs> From here on out. Uh, yes. Passing in the night. Uh, Sam and Gilly uh, headed to Castle Black and then uh, we have uh, Bran and company going north of the wall. Uh, Sam will arrive back at the Castle Black and uh, has a nice conversation with Maester Aemon. 
Yeah, you know, we're, we're talking about how we haven't seen the Greyjoys since season two. We haven't been to Castle Black since the season one finale. Uh, it's been like two full seasons at this point. So that's kind of wild. Uh, so they so, yes, yeah, so Sam shows up. He shows up with Gilly. Maester Raymond is pretty liberal. He's fine with Gilly hanging out, especially when Gilly's like, sweet, I can cook, I can clean. And Aemon's like, yeah, we'll definitely do those things because we mm-hmm. need like all hands on deck. And if you've got skills, use your skills. Uh, but Eamon is hearing the story about what happened north of the wall and uh, is responding uh, pretty quickly by by getting Sam to write some letters. They've got like 40 some odd ravens. Every single one of them is going to fly tonight and they are going to shout to anyone with ears about what is going on beyond the wall. And hopefully it won't all fall on deaf ears. But uh, it seems at the very least that the Dragonstone storyline, the people there, they they are interested. They're they're picking up what uh what castle black is putting down yeah i liked when maester aemon was sort of shading sam for not remembering his vows of celibacy yeah that was funny as well uh and sam's like i just think of the timeline it's not possible that this is my child <laughs> that just doesn't name? make sense <laughs> yeah baby sam oh like, this looks bad <laughs> <laughs> i swear it's not mine yeah yeah that's tough that's yeah. tough okay uh, let's go to dragonstone and sure i mean i guess like if you just want to really quickly yada yada it john snow gets shot with a bunch of arrows by egret they break up he goes back to castle black he's at castle black yeah why doesn't john snow say to egret come with me yeah he should have that would have been nice it's like hey offered. drop the bow come with me to castle black i i know a guy there like we'll be all right uh yeah, he he doesn't even he doesn't even ask. Like even if he'd been like, I feel like I know what the answer is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel Hear like it's out. a no. I know this is crazy, but why can't it? Why can't you know in, in this crazy messed up world? Why can't it work out for a Night's Watchman like me and a wildling like you to get together? He's just like, I have to go home now. I yeah, it, yeah. It was not not my favorite Jon Snow scene. Uh, indeed, one of my least favorite Jon Snow scenes. I think it was his, came off his really bad and whiny. Really bad. Yeah, this is like vintage season one Jon Snow. And what he, he's is, like stopped to wash his face in the water. Like just get the castle black. It's like ow, oh, it stings. <laughs> the eagle marks. They hurt. I have to go uh, home now. Yeah. <laughs> like speaking was, of it was fun spe- <laughs> hooking up with you, but I need to go home now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I made a back. huge mistake. Yeah. Uh he gets shot what with was mean to me. He gets shot with three arrows and then he falls off the horse when he shows up at Castle Black and maybe for the first time ever I was thinking like I hope he didn't fall on one of the arrows yeah. that just like got like driven into him deeper. Mm-hmm. But that seems like that would be a very painful fall. Terrible ride. Yes. Everything going on with Jon Snow is no good. Josh, Egret is such a expert markswoman. Do you feel like that if she wanted to kill Jon Snow, could she have? Did she intentionally aim to maim and not to murder? Yeah, I feel like that seems that seems legit. Like this is like it's it's like one of those classic Hollywood movie breakup scenes where 
Yeah, they're just like throwing stuff at the wall, and you know, it's just a, it's just an angry show of of uh, of, of the rage and the betrayal and all of that. Uh, I think she could have just you know offed Jon Snow pretty quickly mm-hmm. if she wanted to. We spend a lot of time at Dragonstone here in the season three finale, and a lot on the relationship between uh, Sir Davos and Gendry. And you know, uh, Gendry is sort of complaining to Sir Davos. He thinks that Davos is this elitist and highborn guy, and he says, "Oh no, I grew up in the same neighborhood as you, Gendry." Yeah, Gin Alley. Gin Alley. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they have a kinship. And then uh, later on, we find out that uh, Gendry will end up being sacrificed. Did something change from the first uh, that was that that rot, the blood magic worked and now they need more of a sacrifice from Gendry? Because I thought that this was settled that they weren't going to kill Gendry. So I think what they had decided was they were going to Stannis was going to was going to lean on Davos again. He was going to recruit Davos back into the fold. He was going to stop being a prisoner and Davos implored Stannis to not sacrifice the, the kid and and Stannis is like, all right, fine, we'll just leech some blood out of him and see if that does anything. And now they're ringing the bell throughout Dragonstone because the news has come through that Rob Stark is dead and they're taking credit for it. Or I guess Melisandre is like specifically not taking credit for it, but she's, you know, you know, kissing a finger and pointing it up to the Lord of Light. Uh, so like they're, they're taking credit for it. And now they want to sacrifice Gendry because they have, you know, they have figured this out. The blood magic works. But let's do Kenley is now exactly exactly just continue to leech him indefinitely in perpetuity mm-hmm. just leech this man yeah i don't understand i don't get it keep leeching. Uh, yeah always <laughs> be leeching. always be leeching abl you know this is very easy stuff but they're yeah. gonna kill him they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna sacrifice him and so davos is not gonna have that and he's gonna sneak Gendry out because they they're you know they're flea bottom buddies mm-hmm. and and he's yeah. gonna look out for his buddy yes and uh davos that he is uh checking the mail and is seeing like some stupid party invitations and he ends up uh getting the note where he is uh, able to uh, get the word from the wall that uh basically the white walkers are, are on the move yeah he really needs to filter his inbox you know like the party invites should have just gone straight to promotions and you can just like archive them all very quickly without even having to read them uh but instead he's you know everything's going to primary uh and he finds out that there is some some bad stuff is happening at castle black uh beyond the wall he sends gendry away stannis is really mad davos shows him the note and says hey look at this the Night's Watch, Night with a G, they're having some trouble. And I think that that's something that we need to be thinking about. And Melisandre reads the letter and she's like, yeah, I hate to say it. That was just totally correct. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, this is definitely the thing that we should be worried about. Yeah. Well, and the thing that they are upset with Davos at the beginning of that conversation is that Davos has freed Gendry and he puts him on a boat and tells him to go back to King's Landing. I like when Gendry says to Davos, uh, is this a trick? He's like, yeah, but it's not on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. funny getting him in the boat and he says, uh, you know, uh, do you know how to row a boat? Uh, no. Do you know how to swim? Like, OK, stay in the boat. And yeah. uh, <laughs> it's pointing the wrong way. You know, the Davos is uh, pretty funny uh, sending Gendry off on his own. 
I like Davos a lot. I think that, you know, his, has his storyline been super compelling? Maybe no. not. Uh, but I think that Liam Cunningham, the actor who plays him, he is great. And I think that he does bring this, uh, this sense of honor and integrity, but with a little bit of attitude, uh, that I think it, it fills the void left behind by Ned Stark. I think that he's been, he's been great. And he is now saying, like, there's this other thing that has been happening that we have not been privy to. This seems like a big deal. And maybe this is how you, you know, make your splash is you fight the fight that really matters and people but will come to boat. your cause. Yeah. But stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. <laughs> yes. Uh, Davos Jr. could have learned that lesson. R.I.P. Yes. Okay. Um, and finally, we see Danny in the East. The episode is called Misa. Uh, and she really comes in here in the uh, ninth inning to steal the episode title here and close out season three. And we see her now. She is now what this, all the slaves from Yunkai. I've just like walked. That was like their last day of slavery and they all just left Yunkai. It seems like it. Yeah. And like they are a little tardy to the to the after party. Uh, you know, they're like they're all just like waiting outside. They're like, oh, do you think the Yunkers are going to come out? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't seem like it. And then they show up and uh, Masande gives like this epic introduction of Daenerys and says, you owe your freedom to Danny. And Danny's not cool with that. She's like, you don't owe me anything. You're free. You got to earn your freedom from here on out. Hope you guys are happy and have a healthy life and everything's great. And then uh, she is very quickly identified as the Misa Misa lady. Uh, they keep shouting Misa at her, which is old Giscari. For mother, mm-hmm. do you speak uh, old Giscari? Um, I can understand it, but I can't speak it. Uh, my Got parents it. used to speak it in the home, but Und- uh, understood. I, I can't. Uh, I would struggle speaking it. Okay, well, I won't put you on the spot. Uh, but yeah, season and episode ends with Danny crowd surfing. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. All right. Uh, more on that. All right. Come. More on that. Okay. Uh, we'll okay. Get, get through that. Uh, Misa. Uh, all right, Josh. Uh, we should this much- episode have been called Misa? No. What should it have been called? Misa two. <laughs> I was going to suggest Desmond Crakel. <laughs> Desmond Crakel is going to get Misa two. Uh, <laughs> <right here. laughs> <laughs> oh god um, so terrible jo- terrible josh, That's josh okay <laughs> we, let's, uh, let's talk about our mvp and our lvp of the season three and then we'll get into everything uh from the spoilers sure okay who is our LVP of the season? Uh, you probably want to give it to the collective storyline uh, of Bran and Rickon and all of those people, right? Like, I, like is there Ooh. one person you identify there as the LVP or is it just like that whole hub of people? Uh, I kind of feel like if we're going to do a, a combined storyline, I'm tempted to go more with Theon and Ramsey. Yeah, I, but I mean, the, those scenes were very difficult to watch. But I right. think that they were they were compelling. I think the storyline was compelling, maybe a little drawn out, drawn and quartered. Um, but I, I felt like at least there was like some sort of mystery and agency to all of that. But the the brand stuff is like they're just they're just like treading water the mm-hmm. entire time. Like they're, you know, taking their sweet time getting past the wall. Yeah. Um, and there's like Rick on there and anytime Rick on's involved, I'm out. <laughs> okay. All right. So the season three LVP is Bran and his collective group of buddies. 
Yeah, bringing the whole think, thing down. There's got to be. There's got to be I like somebody. Joe Reed, but Mira Reed really is a wet blanket. What about uh, Osha? Would you uh, argue Dario Naharis as an LVP candidate? No, because he just was not there enough. And the stuff that I mean, he, I don't even think we saw him in this episode. He's basically in episode. He's eight, there. He's and, there. And he you know, has some fight scenes in uh, episode nine. And then that's really it. So I don't think he does enough to be uh, LVP material. Yeah. And, you know, he's about to shape shift or sheep shift uh, into a, <laughs> a, different a, a, different, a different actor is going to be playing Dario soon. So I hope you guys enjoyed uh, Francis Dario as we are going to get into like ruggedly handsome Dario yeah. in the future. It speaks to the strength of season three that it's tough to come up with a true LVP candidate. Season three is decisively the best season of Game of Thrones through three seasons. Mm hmm. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that is facts. Okay. So who is the MVP of season three of this tough, strongest tough. season so far? Was the bear. The bear. <laughs> yeah. With the mated fair, a close second. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a good question. Craster. He's <laughs> technically, I don't think he appeared in season three, did he? He was there. He was there. He was there just to die. Uh, I mean, Sam killed a white walker. In 99 seasons. <laughs> and I'm clearly the MVP. Number of the one. Season. Number one. Um, maybe Tywin Lannister, I think, is a candidate. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's great. He scores the biggest win by far by arranging the Red Wedding mm -hmm. and a huge victory for the Lannisters. And his scenes are very, very good. Uh, I think he's a candidate. Uh, I would also be happy with uh, either of the the Tyrells being mentioned in, in this league. I think that uh, Marjorie especially uh, has a real great season, even though she's kind of quiet in the last couple uh, of episodes. Uh, the Queen of Thorns is so fantastic. Diana Rigg, this is her first season as well. Um, but I might be tempted to to say Tywin just in terms of like what was earned in the mm -hmm. story itself and just Charles Dance crushes it this year. Yeah. And where we end up standing at the end of the season where, you know, they're sort of, you know, a little bit things are looking up at, at the beginning of season three and you, we, you know, we're starting to, you know, make some plans of what's going to happen next now that Stannis was beaten back. And then at the end of the season three, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the War of the Five Kings is over. Yeah, I mean, like anyone who was like a huge major player has basically been beaten back. Like Stannis Baratheon is still out there, but he's been licking his wounds since Blackwater. Uh, nobody really even remembers that the Greyjoys are in this fight. Renly is dead. Rob is dead. Feels like the Lannisters are really sitting pretty right now. Okay. All right. And uh, we are going to be sitting pretty as we are going to begin speaking about the spoiler ramifications. From wow. Josh, are you ready? Oh my God! Well, just just a reminder that if you've been watching uh, the show for the first time and listening along to these podcasts as part of your uh, your process, that that is no longer a viable option for you. Starting now, we are killing the spoiler free section, and in future podcasts, starting with season four, wedding. it will be it will be full spoilers baked in all the way through. We will post links to all of the podcasts like that we have King done pie. in the past. Yes. Yes, and we will be sure to remind you in the first couple of season four podcasts in case you've just sort of wandered in there by accident or you've forgotten. Life gets busy. So, uh, but yeah, let's do it. Okay. Let's kill the spoiler free section. I'm ready to, to draw some blood. Okay, that's it for spoilers. That's it. Oh, RIP. Retire the buzzer. Retire the buzzer. <laughs> <laughs>
Ah, <laughs> uh, the buzz. Uh, yeah, the, you know, <laughs> the White Walkers really, have invaded. Justin really ends a lot of these seasons uh, in it's like the same catatonic state. Of I think we see it for the first time here in season three. Uh, I think it's the odd number of seasons that he sort of ends. Uh, season five, uh, obviously, uh, he's going to end on a, a bit of a down note, and then uh, season seven, he's sort of like uh, barely alive, mostly dead at the end of season seven. Well, the end of season seven, I mean, I guess the thing is that he has ended to my memory three seasons he has ended flat on his back <laughs> yeah i mean it's very similar the end of season seven where he is sort of like riding to uh east watch like uh and sort of like oh, quick oh look john snow he might be dead hurry up uh and so he is uh you know in better standing at the end of season seven i think than uh season three and season five but uh season seven he ends in this it seems like it's the most you know it's been the happiest time john snow has ever enjoyed but uh, yeah he has a close call a close brush with death uh at the end of season seven yeah yeah well he should enjoy that moment i am sure that things are just going to get very bleak for him in the future but let's talk let's talk season three stuff here uh if only if he had if he had extended the invite to egret does Egret survive what is coming in season four i mean if they let gilly in why not let egret in I think so. I think that's right. And then like Egret can be like a further resource of like, yeah, this is what they're going to do. You know, this is how they work. But instead, no, John just yeah, because lets her go. Is gonna be on John's side by the end. I mean, if, if they just basically had to get through the battle at the wall. And then once that happens, then, you know, the all of the wildlings are on the same page with John. Yep. Yep. So that's a bummer because I like Egret. I think Rose Leslie is great. Yeah. Uh, seems like things have worked out for those guys regardless. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, the, look, the Jon Snow has a part to play in this whole thing and uh, Egret was not part of that. So, um, you know, sad news for Egret, but, you know, Jon Snow has other fish to fry. Other fish to fry. Uh, speaking of, of which, uh, speaking of, of fish, Walder Frey is now in charge of River Run. He's really gloating here about the Red Wedding. We get told this story about the rat cook and how the gods can never forgive such an atrocity of like breaking the, the bread and salt rule and like letting people into your home and then betraying them. So at that moment you know you you would like to think that game of thrones is going to share in that sense of justice even though the show hasn't really done much at that point to convince you that what goes around comes around but now we know that what goes around comes around that walter frey and the red wedding will be responded to uh by the end of season six yeah and not only is aria going to kill a lot more phrase in that opening of season seven but also we're going to have you know it's this was really on the nose in terms of how they set this up here with the story of the rat cook because we're going to see walter frey is going to be served his own relatives in a pot right Arya stark still would love the backstory of how Arya pulled that one off mm-hmm. you know like how, <laughs> how did she how did she just like make minced frey pie is is something that we'll never know mm-hmm. uh, but it's just I just would love to see like a deleted scene where where that was done. But no, it's it's definitely something that is um uh it's it's referenced, it's hinted at in uh George R. R. Martin's books uh that have, you know, since stopped 
publishing. Uh, so we don't really know exactly like how that will all play out in his version of events. Um, but some sort of fray pie uh, has already occurred. So at the time that this was airing, I think people were like, all right, sweet. Fray pie confirmed. It's just a matter of when that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fray pie, it was indeed the, the rat cook prophecy was eventually fulfilled. Okay. Uh, let's talk about what's going on with this uh, small council meeting with uh, Tyrion and Joffrey because uh, in the real time, I guess if you are a book reader, you know, but we don't know that uh, Joffrey is not going to be long for this world either. I think that basically uh, Joffrey has two, two episodes, episodes, two episodes left. We've got two weeks of Joffrey after this, which is crazy. That is crazy. And Tyrion is threatening him and talking about how kings are dropping like flies. And this is not going to be helpful to Tyrion because I don't believe anybody that is involved in the conspiracy to kill Joffrey is at this meeting. This is just very poor timing. Very bad. Yeah. Like things that you come to regret saying, uh, just like when, when they read this back in court, it is going to look very, very bad. Uh, yeah, I'm a monster. You should speak to me more softly. Monsters are dangerous. And just now Kings are dying like flies. And like Joffrey takes that very, very poorly. It is a very impactful moment in the room. Yeah. This is bad for Tyrion. For sure. Cersei. Yeah. yeah. It's really yeah, yeah. not good. Not that's not gonna help his credibility here. No, and this is after like his own wedding, you know, a couple episodes ago where he like slammed a dagger on the table and threatened to to cut up Joffrey very publicly. So yeah, the case is definitely being built against Tyrion right now. Mm-hmm. Going back to Shay and Tyrion, uh Tyrion did not have any idea that Varys was doing this, right? I don't think so. I think that this was Varys just kind of operating on his own. Um, and again, a nice moment where you are reminded of Varys's morality and, and what it is that he is interested in. Like, this is another honest Varys moment. That's one of the things that has manifested for me across this rewatch is it feels like more often than not, Varys is a pretty honest guy, uh, that he is somebody that you can, you can really believe unless we are being set up for some sort of huge reversal in the final season, which would be nuts. Um, I think that, you know, he, he really does wear his motivations on his sleeve. And he says to Shay that Tyrion is one of the only people with like the will, the ability and the right name to actually do some good here. So you got to go. Uh, Shay, you should have taken the deal. Well, should have taken the deal. Do you think that this offer that Varys makes, which obviously insults Shay, uh, sort of like pushes her in the direction of that she ultimately is going to, you know, uh, turn on Tyrion pretty hard? Yeah, I mean, we she's know like, that she's oh, going to... So I am I am just uh, your whore. Oh, you could pay right. for me to leave. Oh, right. You could write me off. Well, now I'll testify right. against you. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see, uh, her storyline for season four. Obviously, her final run of episodes is coming up. She's going to sleep with Tyrion's father and it's going to get her killed at Tyrion's own hands. Uh, I've been very judgmental, uh, towards Tyrion about how all of that plays out. And through three seasons, like, I'm still not convinced. Like, that I don't think that the show has done much to, to convince us that Shay's feelings towards Tyrion are anything other than genuine. Um, so I wonder if season four will push things in 
a different direction. Yeah. If this is if this is all that we really get, uh, I don't you know I just don't have a great memory for how how it plays out on a granular level in season four. So it's something I'm excited to to watch for. But maybe this is uh, you know an inciting moment. And if sh- if so, then I don't know. This all feels thin. Because the feels thin. She goes off with Tywin, and then she's wearing like a, a neck like some sort of like nice necklace, right? That Tywin has, gi- right. has given her, and I feel like that that sort of speaks to oh she was just in it for money because uh, she wants Tywin's necklace but she refuses a lot of money here right yeah she you know refuses like a like a complete makeovers worth of money you know just like a complete life makeover mm-hmm. so yeah so she doesn't want to do that anyway should have said yes should have said yes she should have uh she should have um anything you want to talk about with the Jamie and Cersei reunion um I guess only that, you know, season three is Jamie's best season by far. I think things are going to get very uncomfortable relatively soon mm-hmm. with the Jamie storyline. Uh, I think the show really kind of like rushing to put these two characters back on the same page together. I don't love. They never really uh, get there, though. Yeah, they never really get there, but they like kind of get there. Like they're closer than they should be. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of a rushed scene. Uh, this, this final scene with Jamie. It's like, I guess we got to bring Jamie back to King's Landing now. Uh, but they really just like, it ends in such a bizarre way. But I feel like she treats him like damaged goods from here on out. Yeah. Yeah, I think to a degree. Um, but his fidelity to her, I think it's, it's pretty strong for a good little while still. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing much to, to add there. Okay. He's gonna, he's gonna clean up soon. I think he's gonna get a haircut if I'm remembering right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What about Arya in terms of, uh, now with the hound? She ends up, uh, killing her first man. And now she is now on a, uh, a different life trajectory than she was prior to the Red Wedding. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is really starting the rest of her story, isn't it? Like she even says Valor Morgulis when she kills the guy and she's holding the coin, like she's already like fantasizing about Bravos. I think that idea is really firmly in her head. Um, more than anything, I'm just so excited that like even in this very next episode, we're going to watch, we're going to have some incredible Arya and the Hound moments. I think this is going to be the episode where they're going to eat every effing chicken in the inn, yeah. uh, so to speak. So I'm very pumped for for where this storyline is going but i think you know the red wedding did not literally kill Arya stark but i think in a lot of ways this is you know she'd already been through so much trauma she was already like very hardcore and kind of in the direction of uh you know being somebody you know not to mess with somebody who could be very dangerous but i think the red wedding really killed a big part of her soul uh and from here on out like this is where like murderous Arya is really going to start stepping out into the limelight so I want to actually circle back to Cersei and something that I mentioned earlier, but I think it warrants a uh, deeper dive. Uh, no pun intended. Right, right. Cersei talks about, you know, if it wasn't for my children, I would have thrown myself from the highest window in the Red Keep. Now, uh, nobody knew at the time of this episode that that was what Tommen's fate 
ultimately was right. going to be. Uh, Josh, do you feel like that there was intention? Did Benioff and Weiss know where that storyline was going with Tommen at the point that that line was written? Or is this an amazing coincidence? Yeah, well, I don't think that it's a coincidence. At the, at the very least, I think, you know, they're, you know, they're mapping out the fact that they're going to kill Tommen off. They know that he's going to die because they want, uh, they want Cersei to, to lose everything that she holds dear. And in the, in the moment that they're figuring out, like, how best to kill that character off. And that had not maybe, happened in the books. Uh, right. Yeah. Tommen, Tommen is still alive in the books. Uh, so it, it could be like a case of they, like, you know, have, you know, they, they know what they've written. They know what story points that they've made. And like, they're like, ooh, that's really good. We've actually already set that up. Um, or it could be that they already know at this point that Tommen is going to throw himself out of the Red Keep, which would be crazy uh, if they if they have this shot called even before they cast Dean Charles Chapman as new Tommen. Uh, so but but I picked up on that as well. I was like, ooh, yeah. that's good. Yeah. That's very good. <laughs> very good. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that. Let's talk about Davos and Stannis and everything going on there, because there are going to be a, a lot of uh, things that are going to be set into motion here in this episode. Uh, of course, uh, the Davos and Shireen relationship is uh, growing stronger, much like House Tyrell. Yeah, yeah. Uh don't get too attached, buddy. It's <laughs> <laughs> not going to end. Gonna meet not gonna, Davos. It's, it's everybody, whoever, whoever is attached to that relationship. Uh, yeah. Like so many things that have been severed on game of Thrones, that relationship too will, uh, will, will not last for terribly long. Um, I liked watching the Davos and Gendry scenes this week, remembering that, uh, they are going to, uh, you know, it's going to be a long time before they, uh, they pick up where they left off. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's, this is where their, their bond is born. And we spent so much time wondering where Gendry was going. Like, where is he rowing to that is taking him off the board for three full frickin' seasons, you know, three and a half. Um, and he says it here, like him and Davos are like, yeah, I'm, I'm going back to flea bottom. Like, I'll see you there someday. And that's just, they just play that one straight down the line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to see, uh, Davos go, uh, pick Gendry up exactly like he said yeah you know he's just gonna go back to the the street of steel bypass the the poop covered gin alley Mm -hmm. uh and yeah they're just gonna reconnect like they lost no time at all yeah but for now so long gendry we will see you in see you in another life, life brother. <laughs> yeah, as Desmond Crackle <laughs> might say. <laughs> yes, see the great Desmond Crackle. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so Stannis is getting ready to uh, get back on the move. They're going to sacrifice Gendry, and it's going to be uh, such a uh, great time for Stannis. But Davos uh, breaks the news that they have uh, released Gendry, and uh, Stannis orders him to be executed. But he says, hold on, as your advisor... I have, I give you some, some different advice. I advise you not to kill me because yeah. uh, we have a uh, big we have a uh, big stuff to do because uh, we need to get all of our forces together because we have uh, this uh, all of this excitement going on in the north. And Melisandre looks into the flames. She's, uh, he's right. We need him. Yeah, we got to go. Yeah. We got to do it. Yeah. Is Melisandre bluffing? What is she seeing something here? What's going on? 
I think that the sense that you get with Melisandre is that she does like see like flickers of images and stuff in in the fires, and it's just a question of like is she interpreting it correctly? And it doesn't seem like she is. Like she has shown Stannis fighting in a battle in the snow before, uh, so Stannis is already inclined to be like, oh sweet, like Winter War. Yeah, I'm all about Winter War. That's my destiny. Uh, so I think I don't think that she is bluffing here. I think that she is misinterpreting stuff. Uh, Davos definitely does have a role to play in everything. You know, being that he's going to be Jon Snow's consigliere moving forward and he's going to be the guy that convinces Melisandre to bring him back to life so he is a he is a critical player here um, I am reminded that you know this season ends with Davos like convincing Stannis and Melisandre we, we got to go north we got to we, we got another war to fight and it's like oh that's exciting this is going to be this is going to be really cool to get some new characters involved in that storyline it's going to take a full freaking season for that to to bear out and i really don't remember what the show does with davos and stannis and melisandre for a full season while we wait for them to get to to the battle against the wildlings like that's gonna be a lot of uh, a lot of wheel spinning coming up ship wheel spinning yeah I can't think of one thing that goes on for them in season four. I think Davos reads some more. I yeah. like. I really think he genuinely reads a few more yeah. letters. If I'm remembering, do they, right. do they go to Bravos? Do they go to Bravos? So they, they oh can the money? sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a. I mean, that is just a, like that's an indication, right? Salador like, San uh, reappears. Yeah, he's got to do like his one episode per season deal. I think that will be the final appearance of Salador San is going to be involved in that. Uh, yeah, like that, all of that's going to be kind of worthless, I think. Yeah. Anyway, we also have what's going on with Daenerys. And uh, I referenced this earlier in the season that um, the point where she ends up getting the Unsullied was a high point, And we talked about potentially that maybe the series high point for Daenerys could actually be this moment here. Would you feel like that? Is this the highest high for Daenerys Targaryen where she reaches 100% approval rating here at the end of season three? Yeah, she's just crowd surfing. She's closing out Game of Thrones by by crowd surfing through a group of people who freaking love her, who are like at like the Daenerys concert and are like so stoked to be there. This is by far and away her biggest, most successful, most victorious and celebratory moment that we have seen so far. Like, are there cooler moments still ahead? totally like i don't necessarily really like this scene i think the scene is kind of weird uh but it's definitely a high point for her for sure if not the high point you know she's gonna go through some struggles in mirene for sure um you know things are gonna are not gonna work out as cleanly as she wants them to and even when she's getting to westeros so far it's been tumultuous yeah i do think this speaks to that candidate daenerys is a lot more effective than leader daenerys i think she's really good uh in front of the rally getting people like uh really worked up i just uh but does she know how to govern that's really what it comes down to you know, she she learns some stuff along the way in Marine that, you know, maybe it will apply in Westeros if she is lucky enough to sit on the Iron Throne at the end of this thing. But as I have said before, I do not think that she will uh, get that opportunity. I really think that Daenerys Stormborn doesn't survive this series. Wow. Yeah. 
that would be huge takes, maybe yeah i think that she and john snow like they gotta they gotta save the day they gotta they gotta beat the night king they gotta fight the white walkers and they gotta win that war mm-hmm. but i think it's gonna be at the at the expense of their life i don't I think, think i've heard uh, you say this before that you think that daenerys is gonna die i know you said that about john snow but you think they're both gonna not make it yeah i think ice and fire will will collide and do uh tremendous damage against the the night king and all of that but i think at the expense of each other i think uh both misa and fisa will be dead by the end of this show how's that for my old kaskari showing yeah that's good that's uh fisa i don't know i'm just i'm just making it up <laughs> wait what you don't really speak old gascari i know i'm sorry well you should have known i thought that you understood old gascari well, you should have seen through it because yeah. uh that <laughs> it didn't sound authentic i thought it was pisa and not fisa <laughs> hello misa <laughs> hello pisa Wow. Yeah. So what what is is can you spitball Daenerys and Jon both die in a battle against the Night King? Are they riding one dragon and they go down in uh one big ball of fire? Yeah, I think that's that's how it goes. Like I think like, you know, one of them, you know, like I, I think that they're riding dragons and they're fighting the thing and then the spears show up and they fall and it's sad and they cry and they die and then they like kill each other to kill the Night King and all all of that stuff. Like that's just I don't know like the specifics of how that would play. Uh but I just feel like I feel like for you know, one of the things that's really been developing in season seven of the show or one of the things that developed in season seven of the show was Danny being like very entitled about, uh, about being in charge of Westeros and like making some decisions that weren't necessarily super popular and maybe showing that like she, you know, all of this like deserve, deserve, deserve. I deserve this. Uh, this is my birthright. That it's just like, it's not a great look. And I think that the more important thing rather than her ruling Westeros, I feel like her destiny and John's destiny, destiny it's to it's to save westeros and i think uh in a way where it's very possible that it's like uh, an uncredited victory where it's like you know they will be uh the heroes that 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 won this legendary battle but songs about them specifically might never be sung mm-hmm. uh just like thematically that's kind of been the feeling that i've had about where this story is going with them now daenerys has said that her goal is to break the wheel where she uh not only wants to to conquer Westeros, but she wants to sort of like, uh, you know, get rid of the uh, corrupt system that has right. really been, you know, defining Westeros for God knows how many hundred years. So do you feel like that she will accomplish that in her death? Because I feel like it would be hard for her to die and be some sort of a martyr. I could see her dying against the Night King, but I find it hard to imagine a scenario where she dies and then also is able to destroy the system system. Well, I think that the system might just be destroyed by virtue of the White Walker War, by the White Walkers marching all over Westeros and the damage that they could be doing there, and Danny destroying the White Walkers alongside Jon Snow could pave the way for the people who survive that to reinvent the way that society is uh, is operating moving forward. So by saving Westeros, she would be giving the people who are still alive the opportunity to do things 
things in a different way. And like if Tyrion is alive, and I think that there's a very good chance that Tyrion survives this. Uh, like again, and you know, we've been going a little bit back and forth with this. Like his wedding night was a really bullshit look for Tyrion in terms of like uh, are Tyrion and Sansa like is that a good direction for these characters? But they like they, they're jiving better in this episode. I don't think it's off the table that something could uh, continue there. Like with the people who are left behind now having you know through their experiences what they have weathered Sansa certainly has suffered so much abuse that I don't think that she needs any more waking I think she is woke to how things should be uh, done moving forward in the Seven Kingdoms and I think Tyrion who is going to spend so much time at Danny's side and really understand what it was that she was after and what it is that she has wanted I think that he could he could really help um, you know bring that in so I think it's like the people that they've impacted and the people who survive and the people that they save I think all of that could still fulfill what Danny wanted in terms of breaking the wheel and reinventing uh, you know the way that people live moving forward but this is all highly speculative fan fiction for uh, a date that is still TBD probably like a year from now we still won't know <laughs> okay but a lot to chew on a lot to chew on a lot a lot to chew on spoiler free territory in season four Josh, spoiler filled you? spoiler oh, filled sorry, territory well, well spoiler zone free Yes, yes. Spoiler zone, free, spoiler free zone is dead. Spoiler filled zone. Nightlands. Yes. Yeah. They, <laughs> it has gone to the Nightlands for sure. Okay. Josh, <laughs> anything else you want to talk about here in the season three finale? Uh, no, not really. Preview I think that season we. Four? You know, season four, also a very, very good season of Game of Thrones. And my my question will be, which is the better of the two? I think that three and four are very clearly the best two seasons of Game of Thrones. I think that I have had four ranked higher than three Ooh. in the past. Um, yeah, but, you know, just now thinking about like the Davos and Stannis stuff, it's like, oh, that's boring. I hope there isn't a lot of that. But we're going to get into like the Red Vipers going to show up and that whole thing is going to go I down. Another great battle sequence with uh, the, you know, the watchers on the wall. So lots to look forward to the Joffrey thing. I think that we'll walk away with uh, with Tyrion Lannister once again in the MVP spot. Really great stuff from Peter Dinklage. I think uh, really some of like the last truly tremendous Tyrion Lannister stuff of the series so far. Because once he leaves King's Landing, it's, it really hits a wall uh, for that character in, in some regards. Um, so I'm excited. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, Lannister's in power and then Lannister's very quickly losing power. Okay. All right. Josh Wiggler, three seasons in the books in the Game of Thrones rewatch. Only four more to go. Wow. Yeah. We're not quite halfway there, uh, but we will be reaching the halfway mark uh, Five in just episodes. a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wild. All right. It's all happening. Of course, uh, follow Josh Wiggler on Twitter. He's at Round Howard for everything else that he's doing for The Hollywood Reporter and much more, including covering the smash hit Westworld on HBO. Him and Joe Garfine have weekly podcast recap here on poster recaps as well i always have to stop myself from saying westeros world um i I think i have finally kicked it but i may not have finally kicked it (laughs) okay uh we'll see we'll see what happens of course also uh fear the walking dead coverage ongoing on poster recaps.com josh anything else you want to mention no, we had an Avengers podcast. If you didn't catch that, Jim Gibbons and I talked about Avengers Infinity War, uh, starring Peter Dinklage is, is in that movie. Uh, so that podcast is up. If you want to listen to that, if you've seen the movie, I thought that that was a good one. That was really fun to talk to Jim about. All right. Thanks so much for checking out our season three finale coverage of Game of Thrones. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. 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 